I feel extremely blessed to be here this morning. Uh, it was about two months ago when God gave me this word, and I thought I was going to be speaking it at one place, and then that fell through, and I was really anxious. I was like, oh, man. And then God spoke to me, and he said, it's not your word, so you don't choose the audience that needs it, and it's not your word, so you don't choose the time you speak it. So I got this opportunity right after God spoke to me about that. So I really believe that this is the time, and you and myself, this is something that's been working to me. It's oh, this is the place as well. Uh, my message title, I always give, I always start with a title because I love movies, and usually the title is what grips me. Uh, it's called "This Is Scary," because I was thinking about, okay, God, what 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 about college? Do you want to speak? You know, speak to me. And I just kept coming to mind. I'm like, this is really scary. Like, this is terrifying because the thing that I've set myself in and the lifestyle I've set myself in and the people I've set myself around, they're not going with me into this next season. So this is scary. This is terrifying. And as seniors and as children of God, God establishes us and puts us in seasons and steps. Every season is not going to be sunshine and rainbows, as people quickly find out in this walk of life. And most of the time, the seasons are going to be tests. And if you look through the Bible, you're going to see mighty men and women of God going through seasons where they put they were put into places where they had to only trust God. One of my favorite preachers of all time, T.D. Jakes, he has a quote. He says, your greatest miracle will always take place in your scary season, in your scary place. This is what he was saying. Although the Christian walk is not easy, God utilizes the hard seasons and the trying times to build your faith and show you just how big he is. So. This is what God wanted me to share with you guys today. And it's something that has been continuously, that he has been continuously teaching me. In life, there will be scary seasons. Whoop, there it goes. I'm going to code from memory. <laughs> but God has equipped us and rooted us. Thank you, sir. God has equipped us and given us the tools to stay in situations that may seem scary. Whatever your plan is, God, you will make a way for it. So... Today, I'm going to be taking, going to just be walking through a story in the Bible that God's been teaching me a lot about. Raise your hand if you, well, you're in cars. Okay, if who has heard about the story of David and Goliath? Yeah? All right, good deal. Pretty known story. Well, God was walking me through the story of David and Goliath, and he showed me three essential elements of how we can handle our scary situations. The first element and if you look in 1 Samuel, I should have probably put a mark in there. But, the, you know, I'm learning. So, it's 1 Samuel says, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul in, this, in the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah. Or Elah, don't know fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. The first element you must know when you're going into a new season that may seem scary is that you are purposed and you have an assignment. So, the first thing that David is shown before it even talks about Goliath is that he was already anointed to be king. So he already had his purpose and he knew that he had been directed and set by God to do great and mighty things. But he found himself being asked by his dad to go and check on his brothers. 
Now that doesn't, in comparison to being king, that's pretty low on the scale. But he knew that this is the assignment God has given me to make, to make it to my destiny and purpose. So just because things seem small, do all things as you're doing it unto God because it is just an assignment that's going to get you to your purpose. Now, wind. So when you, if you're ever really worried, if you're truly on the path that God has put you on, the truth is the assignment you are on is directed and established by God. So much so that the devil will try everything in his power to divert you from your anointed purpose and destiny. David was being tested and trained on his assignment. So by the time Saul was killed, God had already raised up the new king. You see, the good thing about our God is that he never sends us into battle unprepared. The season God has you in right now is simply preparation. And then God takes that preparation and applies it to your purpose. And in true reality, many Christians, especially if you were raised in church, you struggle with this idea that you're not perfect, that you aren't, you aren't worthy enough for the purpose God has planned for you. And that's something that I've struggled with because you tell yourself, God can't use me. God can't use me until I get this out of my life. Or God can't use me because I've, I've sinned too many times and I keep falling back into sin. God can't use me because I come from this family. God can't use me because all these things that are going on in your head that, are, that you think you're unqualified for the purpose of God. But the truth is, the Bible says in Jeremiah 5, 1, 5 through 6, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. You see, God had already given Jeremiah his purpose long before he even took his first breath. And this was Jeremiah's response. It's kind of funny because he started off, he wanted to at least give reverence to God before he told him, the God of the universe, that he was wrong. He was like, oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you because I'm too young. And God, I mean, if my mom and dad told me to do something like clean your room, I can't, mom. I'm too young. You don't understand. You can't put this upon me. That was Jeremiah's response. And I'm going to say what the Lord basically said back to him in the Micah Fell translation. Jeremiah, I am God. And for me, you are perfect and purposed. So be my humble vessel and you will change the world. See, God isn't looking for somebody who's capable. He takes our capability and he casts it to the side because we will never be capable of doing all that God has for us. But instead of being capable, what if we just started saying, God, I'm available. God, I'm here. Use me. I'm not strong enough. Goodness gracious, I'm not coordinated enough. Anybody that's seen me play basketball knows that. But God, use me because I don't know what you're going to do. But all I want to say is I'm open for it, God. I'm here. Use me. So... You aren't going to be perfect. The fact is, to understand that you are purposed, you must understand that you will never be perfect, and that starts by understanding that your perception of God must change. Now, the perfectionist spirit started in creation. It started in the very beginning. Because Adam was not perfect, but he was available. And so God would walk with him and talk with him. And he was just there in communion with God every single day. But... When God created man, he said, it is very good. He didn't say it was perfect, but he said it was very good. So God already sees us to the highest standard that we can be placed at the right hand of the Father. But when the Satan came along and he started whispering, he didn't try to, you know, 
He didn't try to say, I'm going to kill you if you don't eat that fruit. He wasn't saying all this stuff. He changed their perception of God. Because he said, did God... testing one this is the more anointed mic so i'm glad i have this one now (laughs) so he started changing their perception of god he said no god doesn't want you to eat the fruit because then you'll be like him god's not a good good father he's a prideful father that wants his kids at a distance he started changing the perception of god and the instant they allowed the devil's perception the perception of god to be changed they fell Because they no longer saw a God that was gracious and humble and calling them to higher places. They saw a God that wanted to keep them in their low place and he to be able to just judge them, command them. You know, all that's not a father. A father wants the best for his children. So as soon as the perception of God changed, that communion and that availability that was there, it was it was masked over by the perfectionist spirit. Because they are, oh, I'm not perfect enough. I have to put on clothes. I have to present myself before God as someone that's worthy of him. You're never going to be worthy of God. That's not what the gospel is about. Because the perfectionist spirit, as you can see, it was playing a role all the way until Jesus. Until God said, you were one way, but this is who I really am. I came not to judge, although that was a purpose. I came for you. I came... So you could see what a true father is like. It's someone that loves beyond boundaries. It's someone that's here even when you don't necessarily want him here. So when your perception of God changes from someone who just wants me to do stuff and has a rule book to somebody who wants to do things with me and wants to see me reach all my wildest dreams and more exceedingly and abundantly above anything I can ask, hope, or dream or imagine. When you're changed that, you're like, God... I'll never be perfect, but I'm available. So, David went unto the battlefield with an assignment given to him by his father. Just like, ooh, that was two pages. That was not good. All right, here's your new job. You're going to be my paper getter during my message. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Just like us seniors are about to go into our next season with an assignment given to us by our father. But, and the second David got where he was about to begin his assignment, and he believed he was on the right path to God, and he knew he was purposed, he got there, and then he saw a giant. And he saw something really scary. Now, even the armies were scared. Even the entire Israelite army that had been conquering and conquering and conquering and conquering, they met one man that was nine foot, and they were like, no, that's too much. And they stepped back. So David was there on his assignment, faced with a scary situation. And David saw Goliath and saw the fear that was over the Israelite army. And this is what he said. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And that statement right there leads us into our next next element. We must know who is who. One of the defining things that David understood was the divinity of God. He looked at Goliath and said, You have already been placed under my God, the creator of the universe. You see, once we understand who God is, 
we instantly can know who our enemy is. They are nothing in comparison. We as children of God must understand the divinity of God. In the world today, we must be cautious on how they represent God because we've all heard this statement. And it's a good statement. I'm not disclaiming that. It says, religion, no, relationship over religion. Now that's so good because God wants a relationship with us. I'm not disclaiming that. But the world hears that and they go, oh yeah, that sounds really good. God's going to be my buddy. I'm going to do everything with God. You know what? I'm going to do God. You know, no, it's okay because my buddies, they don't look bad upon me. I can go do drugs. They're my buddy. They'll go do drugs with me. Okay. That makes sense. Toby's my, probably one of my best friends. He is my best friend. He's been with me since day one. I'm not going to treat Toby like I treat God. Because although Toby's amazing and sings like an angel, he can, he's not the creator of the universe. He's not the one that is with me at my lowest point when the whole world turns its back on me. God's still there. See, I can't treat Toby like I treat God because, yes, God's my best friend, but God's also my savior. He's also my father. He's also the creator. So if I would never use Toby's name as the replacement of a cuss word, why in the world would I use God's name in vain? That just... I'm going to get off that topic. <laughs> God is the creator of everything. A preacher named Thomas Aquinas called God the unmovable mover. I got chills when I heard that. The unmovable mover. That means he's placing things in your life that you might not understand. But when you get there, he's already the unmovable foundation that you need to make it past that. So, you see David saw God for who he was. King of the universe. So when he saw Goliath, a nine foot tall trained soldier... He didn't even view him as a plausible match for the God that he knew. So, when you are stepping into your next season, and people are like, okay, finances, you know, you gotta, you gotta think about that. It's really expensive. College is really expensive. When you have to, $40,000 a year, that's a lot. I'm struggling to make $20 right now. No, not really. I've been blessed. But, in that situation, finances does not compare to my God. Friendships does not compare to my God. Relationships does not compare to my God. All these people are like, man, if I could just get a girlfriend, if I could just get someone who likes me, and likes watching movies and chilling, watching Netflix, if I could just get that, all other things will, will fall into place. That's all I need, God. I thought that for a long time. And then I started seeing... If I fill myself with relationships, I still feel empty. If I fill myself with movies, I still feel empty. If I could do all these things and get in all these things in my life and feel and have a good job and making money and all this stuff and get all these things in my life, I still feel empty. Because nothing compares to God. Now, you see, this is what God said to me at the very beginning of when I just got in this message. The giant was never supposed to discourage you from the battle, but to intensify your hunger for the victory. When we as Christians are placed in a scary situation, we have two options. We can either turn to fear or turn to faith. I was on, so one story from my life. I was in this place and we were in a, a, a cave and we were at a devil's den. And we were walking through the cave and then we got to this place where we couldn't make it through. So my parents were like, okay, Micah, you're kind of, I wasn't skinny at the time, but they made me feel skinny. They're like, you're the little one. And I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> and they're like, you're the little one. Get up there. Go find us a way out because there was a little thing you could crawl in like a crawl space above. I was like, I got you. So I climbed up and I jumped in there and I crawled and I was crawling and I realized, okay, I can't go back the way I came. So I got to keep going. So I kept going. And I was, you know, like a Mission Impossible. Dun, 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 you know, all that was going on in my head at the time. And I got there and I realized there's no way out. And then I was like, okay, my parents are going to find a way. Because the only way out was a drop off with a tiny ledge. So I thought, nah, I'm not going to do that. So I was like, my parents are going to find a way out. This is what my parents said. We're sending Aiden up. I'm like, what? No. Now I've got to think for both of us. There's not enough food up here for both of us. We're going to be here for a long time. So Aiden comes up and he's crawling. He's crawling. I'm scared. And he comes up to me and he's like, so what do we do now? Nothing. We're survival of the fittest at this point, Aiden. And so it was in that situation I looked down and I saw that hole. And my dad came right there. And this is what he did. That gap, that scary thing that I knew I couldn't get out. I couldn't jump off because I would most certainly die. Unless I could jump and catch myself with my strength, like leg strength. That was not probably very likely. So my dad came there. And the scary thing that was in front of me, he had already reached across it. And made a way to grab me and pull me down. So, you might be looking at this situation and you're like, okay, I don't know. I'm not capable of doing this, God. I'm not capable of making it, making it over this, God. But what if your dad, your father, is already there making a way, ready to grab you if you just jumped? If you just took a leap of faith? Because Moses was not capable of parting the ocean, of parting the Red Sea. I mean, maybe a couple of cups and started, you know, getting with it or something. But he was not capable. Man is not capable of doing it, but God is. He was available. So, these, so in Hebrew 11, it says, it goes through all these stories of the Bible. Got to go through the story, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, no, and then I can find it. Okay, here we are. So, it goes through these stories of the Bible. It says it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. It's this powerful, powerful place in the Bible where it talks about all the times where faith swept in and took over fear. Because when you're placed in a scary situation, faith or fear, those are your two options. So if you believe in a God that's capable, step into faith. Or you can step into fear. I've done that a lot of times, several occasions. And it's scary. But I'm not going to cry about it. And it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. It was by faith. And it says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. That's what God does when we turn to faith. He turns our weakness and our incapability and turns it into something that's more than capable of doing whatever it needs to be done. So, you have to understand who God is, who your enemy is, and thirdly, you have to understand who you are. You see, when David got there, he walked up, and this is what his brother said. What are you doing around here anyway? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. That's discouraging. If you were in the place where God has you and called you to be, and you get there, and then they say, you can't be here. 
I know what you struggle with. I know the sin you have in your life. I know what you do on Saturdays. If they start reminding you of that, that God has already forgiven you for and already chosen to forgot about, then all you need to know is I'm not perfect, but I'm purposed. I'm not good. I'm very good. God has already called me to this point in my life and he will call me to the next point in my life too. So you have to know who you are. You see, when Peter was walking on the water, he was walking and he just kept his eyes on Jesus. He knew if he could keep his eyes on Jesus, that's where the freedom would be. That's, that's what was, so he was walking on the water, he was walking, and then all of a sudden he looked around and he saw the situation and it was scary. And then he looked at himself and he saw his incapability and then he fell. Because at that point, he had chosen to go for fear and not for faith. He had chosen to look at what he was capable of, which was nothing. And not what God was capable of, which is everything. So, he understood if he applied his faith to the situation and kept his eyes locked on his Savior, he would make it through. The third element is you got to choose the right weapons. So David, he got to his battle. He got to the place where God had called him. And he went up to Saul. And he said, okay, Saul, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fight it. And Saul was like, no, you're not. You're going to die. That's what you're going to do. I've been there too. I've walked out. I'm like, all right, mom and dad, I'm ready. I'm ready to do that. And they're like, no, you're not. And then, no, but they've been always super sweet, super sweet about it. They train me up. But he got there and he saw, I was like, okay, if you're going to do this, I'm going to put your armor. I'm going to put my armor on you. So he put his armor, this expensive armor, big armor. And he was just there. And David, this is what David said. He said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. You see, David knew who he was. And this interaction can be taken in two directions. One way a person can interpret this is that in that time, David was not king, for he was still in his testing season. So the armor that would eventually fit him was not right for him at that moment. It would not work for him in that season. The best thing for children of God to do sometimes is to just say, I'm still learning, God. I can't utilize that yet, but God is teaching me still, so someday that armor will fit me. But another way this can be taken is that in the world, we are going to be shown many ways that the world says, this is going to protect you alcohol this is going to protect you getting parties drunk drugs that's going to protect you but that that armor is weak for when the attacks come it'll pierce right through it especially going into college even christian colleges we're going to be in christian colleges where there will be opportunities where the world will try to put this armor on us but we must be firm in the fact that we know we are exponentially set apart so that the world armors will not withhold the trials that lay ahead. When you are born again, you at that moment were given a new armor. And if you watch Bible Man, you know what that armor is. That armor is the belt of truth. That armor... Oh, my bad. Whoa, the Bible's just turning. God's anointing the word to show me what scripture I need to speak. No, not really. It's the wind. <laughs> uh, it says the belt of truth. Stand firm. The, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, when you are brought into a new life through Jesus Christ, you have to shed the arm the armor the world lends you. It is like when Lazarus came out of the tomb and Jesus commanded the people to unwrap him. Because he can no longer sport the apparel of a dead man. For he was brought back to new life through Jesus. So, throw off your old sinful nature. 
and your former way of life, Ephesians 4.22 says, which is corrupted by lust and, and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, we must first wear the right armor, but then secondly, we must choose the right weapons. The scripture says that David went down to a stream and selected five smooth stones from that stream. Now, I looked at the meaning of streams and water in the Bible. The water in the Bible, it represents many things. It represents the spirit, but it represents the word of God. So when you see a giant in your life, you can just go to the stream and go to the prophetic words that have been applied over you all your life. And you can grab those things and you can say, you're big. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're big, but when I was young, my mom said I'm purposed. You're big, but my God is bigger. And you just <laughs> you keep throwing those stones that might not look like much to everyone around you, but it's the exact weapon that's made to kill the giants. You see, our greatest weapon against our enemies is truth. The word of God, the prophetic words, that still small voice in your secret place. These are the things we can utilize against even the scariest of giants. So Goliath, he was there and he taunted David. He said, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And David said one of the coolest things I think anybody could ever say if you were going through a situation. If you're ever like, you know, in uh, the Middle East and fighting a giant, uh, this is what you need to say in that situation if that ever comes about. But I can't. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Whew. If somebody said that to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm checking out already. All right, that's good. Peace. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty intense. You see... Going into this next season of life, we must know that in the scary situations we will face, that God is bigger, and just because an answer is always is not always given at the right time when we really want it to be, that doesn't mean God is not working. But we must have persistent faith, like the woman, like the, uh, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I'm blanked on that. The, uh, the woman starts with a G, it's not Samaritan. The people that were not claimed by God in the New Testament. If anybody knows, shout it out. What's that? Gentile. The Gentile woman. Yes. The Gentile woman. He came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, my daughter's possessed. I need your help. And Jesus said nothing. He said nothing because sometimes Jesus is not being a bad father. Sometimes he's just seeing how far your faith will go. So, Jesus was standing there saying, just ask a little bit more, daughter. Just ask a little bit more. Just persist a little bit more because I have all these things for you in the future. But you just got to persist, persist a little bit longer. Call on me just a little bit more. And so she said, I got it in my Bible. I'm gonna, I have her exact words. I don't want to mis, misquote. She said, Oh, is it going on? Oh, goodness. So she said, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath them. And Jesus said, your faith is great. Your request is granted and your daughter has been instantly healed. Sometimes we got to have a little bit more faith than what the world says is probably plausible. 
And in that, going into this next season, us seniors have to say, it's not by my power and it's not because I'm perfect, but it's because God is perfect and purposed me and has put faith in me to do all that he has called me to do. So uh, we must trust that God will do what he says he's going to do and know that he is an awesome God.